and thank you for joining us here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. For those of you who don't know, Dr. M. H. Tab was born into God's family almost 56 years ago by the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then served as a Christian school principal, Bible Institute teacher, administrator, and assistant pastor. In 1980, God then called Dr. Tab to establish Gulf Coast Baptist Church, where he pastored for 40 years. He continues his service now as the founder of Gulf Coast Bible Institute, preacher, and author of over 46 doctrinal books. Let us now open our Bibles together with Dr. Tab as our guide and rightly divide the word of truth here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. Now today I'm reading from Psalm 78, verses 40 through 42. It says, How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Obviously talking about Israel in the 40 uh, years journey through the wilderness. They provoked God over and over. They grieved him. In fact, he says in Numbers these 10 times they, they uh, murmured against him. Verse 41, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. I want to particularly note verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now that's what I'm going to be talking about a little bit today, how that we often limit God. Verses 19 and 20 in Psalm 78 says, yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock. Uh, that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? They saw God work miracles over and over and over again. And every time they turned around, they were complaining about something and griping about something and questioning God's abilities and so forth. And the Bible said in verse 41, they limited the Holy One of Israel. He, God wanted to do great things for that generation. He wanted to bring them in, conquer the promised land and give it all to them, and of course they forwarded that right by their belly aching and murmuring and complaining all the time. Now let me just say for the next few minutes, uh, ways in which we limit God. How do we limit God? Let me say that we limit God when we don't pray. Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul put it like this. He said, pray without ceasing. We ought to be in an attitude of prayer all the time. We ought to be able to talk to our Heavenly Father any time uh, in our waking uh, hours. Uh, the, the apostles uh, had the same problem we do. We're talking about the apostles now. And in one case, they told Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to pray, but just teach us to pray. We don't pray like we should, and most Christians don't either. Uh, James said we have not because we ask not. The asking is prayer, of course. And so we limit God simply because we don't ask a lot of times. And and uh, Jesus in one of the parables said the woman got uh, her wish because of her importunity. Kept knocking at the man's door. We keep knocking at God's door. We keep praying uh, and bringing our requests before him. So when we don't pray, we limit God. He doesn't respond to silence. He doesn't respond to us when we don't ask him for anything. Let me say secondly, <clears throat> we limit God when we don't read our Bible regularly. 
2 Timothy 2.15 commands a study to show thyself approved. Study what? The Word of God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. If we don't study our Bibles, then we can't rightly divide it. If we don't rightly divide it, we don't know what the will of God is. And so we limit God just simply by not reading our Bibles regularly and routinely and learning the will of God in our lives. Luke 11 verse 28, Jesus said, Blessed are they that hear the Word of God and keep it. It says in Revelation chapter 1, I think verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth. Read your Bible every day or you will limit God uh, on that point. We limit God when we don't give him the glory due unto his name. And let me say all glory belongs to him. And as someone said many years ago, uh, God will do great things for us if we do not touch the glory. It's his. Psalm 115 verse 1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Psalm 96 verse 8, he says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. All glory is due unto his name. So we limit God when we don't give him the glory. A lot of things, a lot of times something happens, God will answer prayer, God will take care of us, and we forget to glorify his name uh, for what he's done for us. And which brings up another point. We limit God when we're not thankful. <clears throat> Romans 121 says, when they knew God, if you're saved, you knew God, you know him now, hopefully, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And it goes on in that chapter talking about God giving people up. It starts out with them not being thankful to the Lord. Colossians 3.15 is a command, be ye thankful. Think about what God has done for us and, and so much, and we got so much to be thankful for, and yet many times we go days without number being unthankful creatures. And which brings up uh, my next uh, point here. We limit God uh, when we forget what he can do, the things he can do. In Genesis 18, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Luke 137 answers that, for with God nothing shall be impossible. God can do anything. And he, he runs this whole universe. He created this whole universe. He runs it uh, like fine-tuned clockwork. And yet, often we think he can't take care of little old pee on me when I've got a problem in my life. Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus said unto them, With men it this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. A uh, whole lot of things are impossible uh, for us, but none of it's impossible for our Heavenly Father. In Jeremiah 32, verse Verse 17, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched that arm, and there's nothing too hard for thee. We need to be careful we don't forget what he can do. He can take care of our puny needs, whatever they are. They might look uh, tremendous to us, but to God they are nothing. As uh, I think it was uh, uh, Jonathan, David's friend, said one time, God can uh, deliver by few or by many. It's no problem with God either way it goes. So don't forget what he can do. When you do that, you limit him working in your life. Let me say unbelief limits God as well. And that's one of the major things, I believe, that would limit God working for us. In Matthew 6, I'm sorry, Mark 6, verses 5 and 6. I said, Jesus could there do no mighty work. And then it says the reason, because of their unbelief. Well, if he could do no mighty work there in his physical presence because of their unbelief, how much less mighty work can he do in our life when we don't even see him? 
Hebrews 3 verses, uh, starting in verse 19, going through 4.1, that's just two verses. It says, they, <clears throat> again talking about Israel in the wilderness, could not enter in. They couldn't enter into the promised land. Why? Because of unbelief. And he says, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. That is, short of his promises, uh, short of his uh, working in our behalf, and it's all simply because of being in a state of unbelief. First John 5 verse 10, He that believes not God hath made him a liar. Why? Because he believes not the record uh, that God gave of his son. What is that record? Well, it's your Bible. It's your King James Bible of Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. That's the record God gave of his son. Jesus said the whole book was about him. Uh, the law, the prophets, uh, everything, the Psalms is, uh, is all about him. He tells us that in Luke chapter 24. And so when you believe not the record God gave of his son, you're calling God a liar. And why should he do anything in our behalf when we're thinking of him as being a liar to us? Unbelief will cause God not to work in our behalf. And often, more often we realize we certainly need him to work in our behalf. Let me say another big one I think is unforgiveness. I'll tell you what, Jesus forgave us. Uh, when we deserved hell. He forgave us when we were his enemies. He forgave us when we were undone and without God and without hope. And he forgave us, and yet we have the hardest time some, sometimes forgiving the smallest infraction um, from somebody against us. Matthew 18, verse 35, he says, So likewise shall your, my heavenly Father do also unto you. He's talking about chastening. He'll chasten you also. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. Passes. We need to be forgiving people. He talks about in Matthew 5, about verse 22 and 23 along in there, that if we bring our gift to the Lord and realize uh, our brother hath all against us, he said, leave your gift and go be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift to the Lord. Uh, reconciliation often often involves forgiveness on one or both sides of the, of the picture there. And so God says, he doesn't want your tithe, he doesn't want your offerings, he doesn't want your works, he doesn't want anything from you if there's something between you and another brother that you will not get corrected. In Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, <clears throat> the Lord says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now I know there's a lot of controversy over those verses, and uh, some say they don't apply to us and so forth, but the principle is very clear there. If you got an unforgiving heart, you need to bother asking God to forgive you for what you did wrong today. He's not listening. In fact, Isaiah, well, I'll get to that in a minute, and then I'll tell you what that verse says. Um, uh, Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know why God for Christ's sake hath forgiven me? Mm, because of no merits on my part, because of nothing in me, because of nothing I've done or can do or ever will do, but simply on the basis of Jesus Christ and what he's done in my behalf. If, he can, if God can forgive me on the basis of Christ, then I should be able to forgive somebody else on the basis of 
Christ, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let me say sin, of course, will limit God's working in our life. And I started to quote this a minute ago, but I'll do it now. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, he says, in effect, he says, God's uh, hand is not short that he can't save, and ears not heavy that he cannot hear. But your sins and your iniquities <coughs> have separated between you and your God. Now listen to this, that he will not hear. It's not that he's deaf. It's not that he can't hear. It's not that he can't extend, extend a hand and, and help us when we're in need. But he said our sins separate us from God. Our iniquities separate us from God. That he will not hear. He turns a deaf ear. If we don't, if we come to him without a clean heart and clean slate before him. That's why in the Lord's model prayer in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 12. He tells us to... Um, uh, forgive us, forgive us our debts, even as we forgive our debtors. Oh, better think about that one. How do you forgive your debtors? He, he said, you ask God to forgive you in the same manner. So unforgiveness will get us uh, out of the out of the place of God's help, and sin will get us out of the place of God's help. Romans 6:14, sin shall not have dominion over you. Well, thank God for that. But a lot of times we let it have dominion, don't we? Romans 6:12, let not that's a command. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should should obey it in the lust thereof. When he says let not, that puts the ball in my court. It's up to me whether I allow that in my life or I don't allow it. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it, sin, and the lusts thereof. Let me just give you one other thing here, and there's no doubt more, but one other that will uh, limit God working in our lives. Unresolved family problems will limit God working in your life, working in your family's life. 1 Peter 3 verse 7 talks about husbands and wives, says they're heirs together of the the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered uh, not just an implication but an outright uh, statement of fact there that if there's a problem between husband and wife they don't get that thing worked it out it will hinder their prayers and uh, that that could put you in a in a dire situation where the family is concerned and your children and your infant child and so on if you can't keep things right in the in, on the home front there and husband and wife be what they ought to be to each other that your prayers be not hindered. Ephesians 5.21 Husbands, love your wives. Uh, if you don't, sir, your prayers are going to be hindered. Titus 2.4 Women should love their husbands. If they don't, their prayers are going to be hindered. Now that's just a few things that will limit uh, God's uh, working in our lives. Um, actually, it's most of those are really major, major things. So let me just close with a couple of thoughts here. Don't limit God working in you and working for you. And don't limit God working in your family. And don't be the church member that limits God working in the local church. Let's be careful that we do not limit God. We need Him every day. And uh, the day will come when you're going to really need Him and won't be able to call on him if you've been limiting his work in your life. May the Lord richly bless you as you live for our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords.